Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. I'm so glad that you're able to join us tonight. We're excited about what God is doing here at Spirit of Grace Church, as well as the Church of the Lord Universal. I believe we are living in a day, while it seems to be filled with turmoil, uh, we are living in a day of great revival and a great move of God and a great opportunity for those of us that are followers of Him to be found in the grace and the glory of God and walking in the anointing power of his freedom and his touch. Praise God. Today I want to talk to you out of Mark chapter 4 a little bit. And uh, I just want to talk about the distractions of life. Um, I believe that the soil of this life, if you will, sometimes becomes that which hinders what God wants to do in us. And I want to read from Mark chapter 4, verse 9, and uh, verse 19, I'm sorry. And this is the explanation of the parable of the sow, the seed that was sown. And this is the part where the seed falls on thorny ground. And this was the Lord's explanation to the disciples. In verse 19, he said, or verse 18, he said, these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Praise God. I, I know that these soil types are, are taught in all different ways. I believe that uh, there are different types of us with soil within each one of us. I believe sometimes when the word moves on us, what's like the, the footpath where it doesn't really take hold, or we, it's like where there's stony ground and uh, you, you receive the word, but then um, you don't have the depth in some areas to receive what God is planting in you. And then there's these that have thorns in the ground, and then there are times in our lives where uh, we have good ground and we receive what God is trying to plant in us. And I believe that happens for everybody. I don't believe that all of us are just one type of soil. I think we're a blending of all four. And so in the seasons of life, I want to talk about what I believe is the type of soil that some people are dealing with right now, and that's the thorny soil. And what it is that actually takes place. You see, I believe that Jesus was prophetic here. Think about what he's saying in verse 19, 22,000 years later. There's three things that he lists in this verse that distract us, if you will, or cause us to have the word choked in us and we become unfruitful. See, I believe that the seed is it doesn't necessarily need to be all of Jesus. There's some things uh, are all of the word, if you will, uh, because I believe that there's some things that the Lord tries to plant in us that grows and flourishes. And then there's other things that sometimes get us out of our comfort zone. And uh, sometimes the, the soil receives and grows and sometimes maybe it doesn't. And I, I, I want to share with you some of the reasons why I believe God is calling some of us to some things and we struggle to make it happen because of the distractions in life. And the three things are simply this, the worries of this life, 
the deceitfulness of wealth or riches, and the desire for other things that enter in. Those are the three, and I, I want to talk about those three things a little bit, and, and then see uh, what is the repercussion of that. The first thing that I want to talk about is the worries of life. Now, so, there's so many different definitions of worry or causes of worry, but I want to use the definition tonight that just says worry is when we visualize something in the future that we're unable to control and assume that it's going to turn out badly. Let me read that again. Worry is when we visualize something in the future that we cannot control and assume that it's going to turn out badly. There, that can be just about anything. That can be life, family, uh, jobs, weather, sports teams, terrorists, bad drivers, pand pandemics, whatever it is, can all cause us to worry about something in the future, and we visualize that future in a negative light, and so we worry today about what's going to happen tomorrow. And that worry uh, is something that is not of God. Uh, in fact, Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything or don't be anxious for anything in everything, give, uh, take it in prayer, pray about it. And uh, then he goes on to some other things in that passage, ultimately getting to verse 8 and says all the good things that we're supposed to think on. You see, worry is really a state of mind. And here's the interesting part of worry. Worry comes to us and affects us, not usually by internal pressure, but by external pressure. And, and here's what I mean by this, or stress is another word for pressure. Here's, here's what I mean by that. We, when we worry, we're usually thinking about something that hasn't happened yet, something that we can only picture happening, and it doesn't it hasn't happened. It's not. It may or may not turn out that way, but we worry about. It. So it's an external looking forward to something that hasn't even happened yet, and we begin to worry about it. It's amazing how we do that. I mean, we think just to the little things of, uh, we've got a vacation in three weeks. What's the weather report? You can't do anything about whether it rains or not. And, and, and so, if it rains on your vacation, enjoy vacation. If it's nice and sunny on vacation, enjoy your vacation. It's You might as well forget about worrying about it because there's nothing that you're going to do to be able to change the weather uh, in this afternoon, let alone uh, next week or two weeks from now. And yet we do that so often. We worry about something that's going to take place months from now instead of just dealing with our present. And if we deal with our present by faith, that which is yet to come should not cause us any worry because if we're living by faith, we're living by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, according to Galatians. And wherever he leads me, no matter where it is, I'll deal with it wherever we're at based on, a, based on what we're doing then. But worry sneaks in and says, well, you've got to try to figure out today what might happen tomorrow. It might happen a week from now. It may not. It may turn out just to be wonderful, but in case it doesn't, we need to worry about it today. And all of us are guilty of that. Uh, but that's a distraction that causes us to stop thinking about the now. 
And the Bible says it this way, and I like how it's preached, but in, in Psalm, he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's a now kind of God. He is always in the present because the future is already established in him. And all I need to do is hold his hand and let him take me wherever it goes. The second um, issue here or distraction that the Lord shares is the deceitfulness of riches or wealth. Um, deceit happens when someone or something leads you to believe something that's not really true. And uh, wealth says, get more of me and everything will be peachy. Well, that's a lie. And you may be sitting there well, and saying, well, yeah, but I'd like to give it a shot one time. Uh, I understand that, that thinking. I understand the, the, the worries about finance and wealth. And uh, we're taught to spend wisely and we're taught to do all kinds of things. And, and it's not that I disagree with that. But here's what I do disagree with is there are as many rich people that are miserable that are there are as poor. You see, wealth is not a entity. Wealth is a perspective. I want to say that again. Wealth isn't an entity. It's a perspective. It's not something that's tangible. It's something that is embraced. Okay, so what I mean by that is simply this. You perceive how wealthy you really are. Okay, now if your perception is your bank account, you may not think yourself very wealthy and you'll strive and you'll spend time and you'll spend resources and energies in order to increase that bank account, but that bank account isn't what's going to make you happy or unhappy. It's how you perceive your bank account to be. When it comes to friends and family, you may perceive that you're not very wealthy. You may perceive that your friends are weak-minded, if you will, or, or flighty. And come some days they're great, some days they're not. And, and, uh, but it's how you perceive it. How do you perceive that friendship? How do you perceive that family connectedness? Do you perceive it as something that is uh, of wealth or do you, see to, to, do you see it or perceive it as something that causes you difficulties? See, the deceitfulness of wealth is the fact that it will deceive you in the way you think, not in necessarily in the way you act. There are plenty of people that have a lot of money that are happy, but they're never happy enough. They're always striving to get that next level of wealth, if you will. And then there are people that are absolutely poor that have just said, I'm going to be content where I'm at. Wealth is simply and should be treated simply as an instrument in your hands to use to the glory of God, just like everything else. For some reason through the years, we have made a difference between our talents and our finance, or our calling and our finance, and we look at things in a different light. Can I, can I just say that uh, the money that you make and the money that you receive and the money that comes your way, the wealth and the riches that you may or may not have, is not really for you anyhow. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. He is allowing you to have that finance 
to use it as a tool for him to receive glory. And what ends up happening is, is when somebody that is able to accumulate wealth doesn't recognize it as the gift of God and to uh, let themselves be the conduit of that tool, they try to hold it in and they try to use it for their own pleasure. And that's where their happiness slips away and misery comes in because wealth is deceitful. Basically, this is what the Bible says, whatsoever you do in word or do well in the name of Jesus. But it also says, whatever you find in your hand, that is what you should use to the glory of God. That's Tim Sanders' paraphrase. But uh, uh, when, you, when you use what God has given you, what he has laid in your heart and he has laid in your mind, when you begin to use the things that God has given you, you will find yourself uh, wealthy. You'll find yourself, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about your perception will be, no matter what your finances say, whatever your possessions say, you'll find yourself wealthy because of the people that you impact through the gifting that God has given you. Amen. Praise God. The third one here is the desire for other things. Uh, how many, uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about multitasking. Well, multitasking is impossible. You really can focus only on one thing at a time and focus on it well. Because what multitasking often is, is getting distracted by something else that you had at one time put your mind to, and now it's being distracted to do something else because of the thing that you were busy doing. And so I, I know people pat themselves on the back because they can multitask and seem to do a couple of things at once. But the bottom line is, is when you're doing more than one thing, you're not able to give 100% to a certain thing. You're, you're dividing the percentage of your, uh, of your attention to those different things. And what Jesus is saying here is don't allow yourself to get so consumed with other things that enter in and the the and other things that uh, you begin to desire to be a part of, I know this. I know that one of the greatest problems or difficulties that we have as humans is the concept of comparison. We compare ourselves to everything. We compare other things to everything, but ourselves as well. And sometimes we do it without even recognizing that that's what we're doing. But when we look at somebody that's driving a better car or has a better home or has a better job or or seems to have better kids or whatever we all we, we sometimes go off into daydreaming and what would it be like well what that is is that is losing focus on what god has already given you and as god has already operated in you and i i guess really with all three of these part of the thing that we need to understand is we need to learn how to be content with wherever we're at and with whatever we have and, uh, and so I believe this, I believe that part of the reason that we don't move in the things of God the way we should is because we're distracted by multiple things that are entering in the path of our life. And we get distracted because this looks good and this looks good. And, and I'll just say this as well. Sometimes it's not something that's evil. Sometimes, oftentimes it's not the thing that would classify as sin. It's not a temptation necessarily. It can be good things, but we can get so busy grabbing a hold of a bunch of different things that we, we, we fail to realize that God is trying to focus 
focus us into one area or one specific dimension. And, and so sometimes we get off kilter simply because we're being attracted by too many different things. The shiny objects in the peripheral of our vision are distracting us from the path that God has placed us on. And, and so I want to encourage somebody tonight to refocus your mind to God, refocus your thought, set your vision, fix your mind and your eyes on Jesus. Because these three things, according to uh, Jesus, choke the word. And, and, and the word lives in us and through us. And, and But when small stuff, and or big stuff, I guess, distracts us, when the thorns get our first attention, the word is, is shoved to the back of our minds and we're not as fruitful. And here's what I want you to really get. The Bible says in John 1 that the Word was God and the Word was uh, made flesh in verse 14 and dwelt among us. In other words, Jesus is the manifestation of the Word of God. And so when you choke the Word, what you're really choking out in your life is Jesus. And I don't ever want to uh, choke Jesus. And I want you to notice what it says again in the passage. Um the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering it, choke the world, and it becometh unfruitful. Okay? I want you to notice that. It's not you that becomes unfruitful. It's the word that's in you that becomes unfruitful. You choke Jesus off, and then Jesus can't move, and Jesus can't function. And then we turn around and wonder where Jesus is at when we're in trouble. Listen, it could be the fact that you have gotten tied up and tangled up with worry. You've gotten tied up and tangled up with the deceitfulness of wealth. You've gotten tied up with the lust of other things that are coming in. And because you have taken uh, parts of your mind and parts of your thought and you're pulling the, the worry from over here and the wealth from over here and this, and all of a sudden there's no room for Jesus. And the Bible says, it uses the word choke. And so what the vision there is you're literally choking off. That's where you choke, is at the neck, is at the throat, is, is where you breathe, it's where you operate. And, and when that takes place, what are you really choking off? You're choking off the vocal cords, if you will, of the Lord. You're, re, you're restricting the flow of the word of God in your life. And then you wonder why you get into the midst of a storm and you can't hear him and you can't see him and you can't experience him. Could it be that these three things have crept in, these three thorns have crept into your life and have choked out the things of God? Listen, my friend, I believe that we're in a time and a season where God is wanting to fully activate himself in our lives and operate in our lives and move in our lives, but we have to be the ones that remove the, the thorns and the things of this world that will distract us from listening and hearing and observing what God is doing in us. I believe that the word has already been, the seed has already been cast into our spirits. It's up to us whether to move the weeds out and the thorns out and get rid of the worry and get rid of the worry about wealth and all of those shiny items of life that come in and, and clear the path. Make, this, make the, the way straight, if you will, so that Jesus can just move in, in full um, 
discourse within us and we can hear from him and see him and experience him. The way all of that really happens is our invitation. You see, Jesus doesn't remove the thorns and he doesn't remove the things of life. That's up to you and I. That's us up to us to surrender those things to him. When we surrender them, he'll take them, but he doesn't force them away. Um, and, and so the, the ultimate answer is Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your mind. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Catch yourself worrying about something, pray about it. When your mind wanders over to finance and money, ask him for provision, wisdom, patience, and faith. Dreaming about things that you want, bring your mind back to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Turn your dream into a prayer. Isaiah said it this way, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Isaiah 26, 3. Jesus is the answer to peace and meaning in life. And so will you use these distractions as a hindrance or as a reminder to turn your thoughts back to him? What's going on in the way you think? My prayer is this, that in the midst of your worry, you'll find Jesus. In the midst of your financial situations, you'll find Jesus. In the midst of your dreams and your goals and your aspirations, you'll find Jesus. But it takes us to clear the space in our minds from these distractions. Praise God. Would you just bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, I'm thankful, God, that we've been able to gather for this few minutes. And I believe, Lord, that you're speaking to us. And I believe, Lord, that you want us to speak, want us to hear clearly. I'm praying against worry tonight. I'm praying for the people that are hearing this, that they would just be able to push away the worry so that your word can spring forth. I pray that they would push away their concerns about wealth and provision and just allow your word to spring forth. I pray, Lord, that you would allow them to push aside the things of this life that they end up desiring and wanting in order for your word to spring forth for we know this, when your word springs forth in our lives, it needs to have room to grow. And we pray, Lord, that you would grow in each one of us. We love you and we praise you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Just by way of announcement, while I have you here online, uh, we are going to be working at the church on the 16th. That's a week from this Saturday and working on our platform. And so if you're able to come and join us at nine o'clock, we'd love to have you come. And uh, we're creating space here at the building for more people, for more seating. And we're looking forward to what God has in store for Spirit of Grace Church. All of you that are online joining us tonight, thank you for being with us. We do love and appreciate you joining us. And we're praying with you all that God's word would just spring up in you this week, that the Lord would just make himself very real and personal. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.